Good morning. Good to have you with us this morning. Glad that you're here. Thanks, Orlando. Thanks, Travis, for getting us uh, warmed up and worshiping and worshipful. If you're a guest of ours this morning, we are honored to have you with us. If you're joining us online, which I guess you are, if you're watching, uh, honored to have you with us as well. Glad that Mike said we're almost back to normal. And that might be as close as we ever get, right? Almost normal. So yeah, good to be together this morning. I heard about a uh, customer who called his car rental company and told the rental company he was going to need a tow truck. And he couldn't remember what the maker model of his car was, but he, he knew what road he was on. And so the representative of the, the um, rental company said, well, I need to be able to tell the tow truck driver which car to pick up. Just describe it. He said, well, it's a blue car. He said, could you give me a little more description? He said, well, it's a four-door sedan. He said, sir, I'm going to need a little more information than just a blue four-door sedan. I want to make sure that the tow truck driver picks up the right car. The guy says, yeah, tell him um, it'll be the car that's on fire. <sighs> you know, I, I guess sometimes we are all a little bit guilty of burying the lead, right? Sometimes we get so consumed and focused on the details that we sort of miss the main thing. We're kind of oblivious to the most important stuff that's going on around us. We are uh, in this little series talking about uh, labels and hashtags. And our hashtag today is hashtag first importance. And I know some of you, probably most of you, as soon as you see that hashtag, you know right where I'm going today. I mean, this is like a King James hashtag, right? Uh, this is like old school for sure. It's actually not King James, but it's close. It's old school. But I love the fact that I get to preach to a group of people who know their Bible as well as you do. And I love the fact that I get to work and to teach and to serve in a family that, that loves the Bible as much as this family loves the Word of God. But before I get to our hashtag this morning, I actually want to talk a little bit about some people that don't necessarily love the Word of God. And I've talked about this before, the fact that the fastest growing group in American religion is a group that researchers are labeling the nuns. You're familiar with this? N-O-N-E-S, nun, nuns. People who claim absolutely no religious affiliation whatsoever. The latest census says that 25%, one in four Americans, claim no religious affiliation whatsoever, which is a little bit hard to believe. Even more so when you think about the fact that in 2007, that number was 16%. In less than 15 years, that number has grown from 16% to 25% of people who say, I got no religious affiliation. That is millions and millions of American men and women who have walked away from the church and, for the most part, walked away from God. But it actually gets worse than that. Of those groups that call themselves none, no religious affiliation, over 35% of that number are people that are aged 30 and down, our kids, our grandchildren. And for the most part, those are children that grew up going to church just like we did, they grew up going to camp. They grew up sitting in the same classes, hearing the same sermons, the same experience that we had. 
And now they're saying, no, I don't have any religious affiliation. Even more concerning than that is, 75% of people who call themselves in, in the nun category say that the Word of God is actually irrelevant to today's society. It's actually no relevance. It, it's ancient story. It's ancient myth. It's uh, not relevant to today's world. It's certainly not inspired by God. In fact, there is a growing assertion that the Word of God is not just ancient myth, it's ancient harmful myth. There, there's a growing assertion that if you listen to, obey, uh, uh, and live out the Word of God, you're not making the world a better place. You're actually making the world a worse place. And if you listen and, and apply the Word of God, you're not making yourself a better person. You're actually making yourself a worse person because the Bible is restrictive and closed-minded and judgmental, and condemning. So say those who have never actually read the Bible. More and more you talk to people about God's Word, and they're not argumentative. They're not combative. They just calmly tell you, I don't believe it. I just, I, I don't believe it. I mean, if it works for you, great. If it helps you, wonderful. But... I don't believe it to be important in my life. I don't believe it to be meaningful. I certainly don't believe it something that I should orient my life around. You know, we've all seen those bumper stickers, the Bible said it, I believe it, that settles it. I've seen those all my life. I've agreed with that statement all my life. But more and more people are saying no. I mean, that doesn't offend me. But more and more people see that as a car driven by somebody who is mm, a little bit uneducated, unsophisticated. They don't quite get it. And here is something that I think is fueling this mass exodus from God. It used to be, back in the day, if you wanted to know what was in the Bible, you had to actually read the Bible. Remember those days? You know, if you wanted to know what's in the Bible, you had to have a Bible in your hand. You had to open it up. You had to read it. You had to, to, to find a Bible. You had to buy a Bible. You had to borrow one. You had to steal one from a motel nightstand. You know, you had to actually read a Bible to know what's, it was in the Bible. I grew up in a time and a place where even those people who didn't read the Bible, they respected it. I'm telling you, those days are long gone. That is not the world we live in anymore. Uh, and because you and your kids and your grandkids, this, this generation, future generations, we are living in the world of information, right? We have unlimited information at our fingertips. You women, in your purse right now. You men, in your pocket right now. You old men, in a case strapped to your belt right now. You kids, in your hand, right now. And that's where it is, right? That's where your phone is. We have unlimited access to, to access to unlimited information, but we also have access to unlimited misinformation. You know, where do people get their information today? Nobody's reading the newspaper. Nobody's looking at magazines anymore. Nobody's watching network news we get our information from the internet, right? And at the risk of sounding like an old man, 
I think the only one who has benefited more from the internet, with the exception of maybe Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg, is Satan. Satan has taken this wonderful tool and he has used it to undermine the credibility of Christianity, especially to our children and our grandchildren. Today's younger generation, they are constantly challenged. They are constantly being told in subtle ways and some very not-so-subtle ways that you can't trust the Bible, that the Bible is full of holes, that the Bible is full of inconsistencies. It's flawed. And I'm convinced that to a certain degree, we've allowed that to happen. We've allowed it to happen because we forgot, or maybe we've just sort of ignored, hashtag first importance. We buried the lead. We argue about questions that nobody's asking. And all the while we left unsaid and uncelebrated the most conclusive, most convicting, most compelling aspect of our faith. If you were to ask most Christians today, what is the foundation of your faith? Most Christians would say, the Bible is the foundation of my faith. The Bible is not the foundation of our faith, and it never was. And before you jump up and start to leave, or before you click off, you know, hear, hear me out on this. The Bible has never been the foundation of our faith. But most Christians believe it is. And most people who have left the church believe that it was. And I'm going to stop right here before I go any further because I want to make sure you hear me say this, okay? If you think that I don't love God's Word, and if you think that I don't believe that every single word of the Bible is God-breathed and God-inspired, and if you think that I don't believe God's Word to be holy, to be sacred, to be incredibly important, then you don't know me. And you've never heard me teach before. I love the Word of God. But I also love all those high school students and college students and young people who have walked away from God. I love them too, and I want them back. To tell someone, you need to do this because the Bible said so, doesn't work anymore. It just it's not enough. It's not a good enough reason. So let me jump into our hashtag this morning. Let me share with you what, what Paul, the Apostle Paul, hashtagged first importance. He writes a letter to a group of Christians in Corinth, a group of people who had some problems. They were going through some issues. Um, again, you know where I was headed here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. First importance, the most important thing, the, the basis of our faith. The reason we do what we do, here you go, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Paul lets these Christians who are living in Corinth know the foundation of our faith is not a book. It's a man. The foundation of our faith is Jesus. In fact, he goes a little farther than that. He says, actually, it's an event. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Long before anything was put together that we call the New Testament, 
Long before there was the Bible, long before there was any of that, there were Christians. There were Jesus followers. And not just any Jesus followers. These were extraordinary Jesus followers. These were men and women that uh, risked their lives to follow Jesus. And no one ever stood up in their church and said, well, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. No one said that because they didn't have the Bible. Not yet. It was in the process of being written. These were extraordinary men and women who were living between the old law and the Roman Empire. They're, they're sandwiched between the temple and the Roman Empire. Because remember, Rome wasn't the first group to attack Christians. It was the Jews. It was the Jews. It was the temple that first attacked Christianity. Uh, so these Christians that, that, that are um, living in the first century, they, they weren't just surviving. They were thriving. And they weren't fueled by a book. Because they didn't have the book yet. What did they have? They had a man. They had a man named Jesus. They had an event. They had the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And this was a group of Jesus believers whose faith was stronger than Roman steel. It was stronger than Roman nails. This was a group, their faith exploded. Their numbers exploded. They took the good news of Jesus to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the world. Why? How? What was their motivation? Because of an event that encompassed three days outside the city of Jerusalem. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So, so why is that first importance? Why is that so important? It's important because when I begin to doubt, when my children, my grandchildren begin to doubt, when they start getting information that, that kind of draws into question, okay, are you sure you can trust the Bible? My faith isn't built on those 66 books as much as I love them. My faith is built on an event that launched the kingdom of God in the first place. Now, these early Christians, they seem to know what maybe we miss. They seem to know what maybe we have forgotten along the way. The foundation of our faith is not, it is written. The foundation of our faith is something happened. I build my life around the event that something happened. What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And if you think I'm not showing enough respect to the, to, to the scriptures, if you think maybe I'm playing a little bit fast and loose with the word of God, I assure you I am not. But let me just share with you what else Paul goes on to say. The Apostle Paul, who in a younger life was so instrumental in the persecution of the church, the persecution of Christians... You remember, like in one day, he goes from being this law-abiding Pharisee to a sold-out Jesus follower. This is just overnight when he meets Jesus. Paul says that there, there's one thing that, that serves as a foundation of our faith, and it's not, it is written. He'll go on to tell the Corinthians this, and if Christ has not been raised, 
Our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. 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 It's useless. Paul says, if Christ hasn't been risen, what are we doing? Say, wait a minute, you're telling me this whole thing hinges on a single event? Paul would say, yeah, it does. It hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. Don't be mistaken, this is not a it is written religion. This is a something happened religion. And if it happened, if Jesus really was raised from the dead, if Jesus really was crucified, buried, brought back to life, if that is true, game on. If that happened, then everything the Bible says matters. And everything we talk about counts if that event happened. If it didn't happen, Paul says, you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to listen to Peter. You don't have to listen to Jesus. You can go back to the temple. If he wasn't raised from the dead, go back to your pagan gods. Because if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, none of it matters. None of it's true. Paul didn't say that about anything else. He said that about the resurrection of Jesus. We need to be sure that people who walk away from God, people who walk away from the Lord's church, we need to be sure they understand they're not walking away from the Bible. They're walking away from Jesus. You know, the Constitution did not launch our nation. Your company's handbook did not launch your company. Your child's birth certificate is not more important than your child. And the Bible did not launch Christianity. Jesus launched Christianity. And his death, his burial, and his resurrection proved that he is exactly who he claimed to be, the Son of God. You remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus and he realized, hey, this is happening. It's happened in our generation. All those promises that God made to Abraham, they're going to come true. You remember John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Look, behold, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then Paul would tell the Christians who met in and around the city of Ephesus, talking to Gentiles actually who had decided to follow Jesus. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're our members of God's family. We are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus himself. Paul says the foundation of our faith is a person. Jesus. He's the cornerstone. He's the first stone laid, the thing that determines everything else. The foundation of our faith is not, it is written. The foundation of our faith is something happened. God sent His Son into the world. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. God brought Him back to life. Those apostles who had been with Jesus for three years, you know, they, they listened to His teaching. And then they saw Him die. And they knew where He was buried. And then they saw Him raised. 
Some of them had breakfast with Jesus on a beach one morning. And then they watched him ascend back into heaven. But you remember one of the last things that Jesus said uh, that, that I'm sure they wrestled with, and, and I, hope, I hope we wrestle with it too. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. You want to know what the final authority of your life as a Christian is? It's not a book. It's a person. It's Jesus. My final authority is Jesus. The true foundation of my faith is Jesus. So, if you're going to disprove my faith, you're going to have to disprove Jesus. Okay, if if you're going to talk me out of Christianity, if you're going to talk me out of following God, you're going to have to disprove Jesus to me. And if you're going to do that, you're going to have to deal with a lot of people and a lot of unexplainable events. If if you're going to disprove Jesus to me, first you're going to have to deal with a document that we call Matthew. And you're going to have to figure out, Matthew, why did you give us such intricate details here? And just when you're kind of wrestling with Matthew, you've just really started the game. Because then you're going to have to deal with Mark, who history tells us got most of his information from Peter. And, and if you can kind of deal with Mark and handle Mark's account of, of who Jesus was, you're just getting started. Because then you've got to deal with Dr. Luke, who said, I made a full investigation of these things. And you're going to have to wrestle with what Luke says about Jesus. And then if you get through Luke, then you've got to deal with John, who lived to be an old man, who was really close to Jesus. And if by chance you make it through those four men, which you, you probably won't, you're going to have to deal with Peter. Peter, who just always told it like it was. You're going to have to deal with James, the brother of Jesus. James, who went to his grave believing that his brother was his Lord. And it seems like I say this every time I talk about James. What would it take for you to be convinced that your brother was the Son of God? James was convinced that Jesus, his brother, was his Lord. And then, if you get through all of that, which you won't, but if you get through all of that, then you're going to have to deal with the Apostle Paul who really is the smartest guy in the room, who really is smarter than you will ever be. The Apostle Paul who said, hey, I was an enemy of Jesus. I mean, you want to talk about putting Jesus out of business? You want to talk about not believing that Jesus is who he said he was? I've been there. I've done that. I put all my effort into that. Not anymore. Paul is convinced that Jesus is exactly who he said he was, the Son of God. God has done something. Paul was convinced, he writes a lot about it, that all that material than what we know as the Old Testament points to Jesus. It's the story of Jesus. And then if you've taken on all those individuals, you've still got some more explaining to do. You've got to explain the survival of the church. Like I said, sandwiched between the temple and Rome. How did the church survive? Because they didn't have the Bible. Not yet. How did they survive? You've got to explain all that. 
I'm convinced the only way to explain how the church survived, how all those men uh, made, made that conviction, is wrapped up in what Paul says. I received what I, for I, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. That's where we anchor our faith. On the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Listen, the, the, those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, I mean, all those books of the New Testament that are so precious to us, we don't take those documents as seriously as we do just because someone says, well, that's the Bible. We take those documents as seriously as we do because those first century Christians took those documents that seriously. And those first century apostles claim that to be the inspired word of God. God breathed message. It's the story of Jesus. So I'm going to leave you this morning with the same challenge that the Hebrew writer uh, left us with in Hebrews chapter 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you'll not grow weary and lose heart. You find yourself ever getting frustrated with church? <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> if your answer is no, stick around. Okay? <laughs> Consider him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You find yourself complaining about what's going on. It's too much of this. It's not enough of that. Consider him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Are you upset with the elders? Are you tired of the preacher? Are you sick of the song leaders? Consider him. Fix your eyes on Jesus so that you'll not grow weary and lose heart. Listen, if you want to go online and read all the nonsense that so many people post about the veracity of God's word, if you want to argue with all the skeptics and the humanists and the atheists who say that the Bible is flawed... You can keep yourself very busy. Again, the Bible is not flawed. It is the perfect word of God. But I'm not going to spend all my energy arguing about how the book of Mark actually ended. I'm just not. I don't want to bury the lead. I don't want to major in minors. I don't want to miss the main thing. I don't want to miss Jesus. And the people that I talk to and the people that I have influence over, I don't want them to miss Jesus either. So we'll fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I'm going to hashtag first importance. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. A couple minutes ago, I, uh, I, I almost started the Great Commission. Let me go ahead and continue. You know it. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then the last thing that Matthew records Jesus ever saying, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When we focus on Jesus, when we show people Jesus, when we brag on Jesus, when we serve people in the name of Jesus, when we love people in the name of Jesus, that is not some intellectual exercise. And that's not some debate. That is attractive because Jesus is attractive. And that's compelling because Jesus is compelling. And that changes people's lives because Jesus, not the Bible, not the church, not the preacher, not the elders, Jesus changes people's lives. So I'll agree with that old songwriter who said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. Let's stand on Jesus. We've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement this morning. If we can help you in any way as a church family, we're going to invite you to meet us at the front of the auditorium. If you're online, there'll be a link where uh, you can get in touch with us as well. Let's be standing while we sing.